Man, that's what we're all about. We're all about life transformation. We're about seeing people come from death into life, from chained into victory, seeing people receive forgiveness, salvation, and achieve their full potential. That's what we're about. And we get to do things like Promessa de Fe or Faith Promise Costa Rica because of your generosity and your faithfulness. It's happening in Africa. It's happening in, in all over India. It's happening in Central and South America. We literally are, our global partners and our campuses are touching worldwide. And so it is amazing. Grateful for your generosity. We have another mission trip to Faith Promise Costa Rica. If you want, you can go online and find out about that at Pellissippi. You can go to our next steps, and Carrie will be glad to help you this weekend, find out more about that. And so, again, we're about, are, are we about bringing people to Jesus? Come on, somebody. Absolutely. And so it's generosity that makes that possible, and we're just grateful, again, for all that you do, for how God uses you and our missions and evangelism and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Michelle and I just got back from Israel uh, yesterday, and missed you guys last weekend. Our next, we're going to try, about every year and a half, we're going to try to take a group of promisers. So October of 2018, we're going to take another group over there. It's just, it is absolutely life transforming. So if you want to be a part of that, if you'll let my assistant Gloria know, she'll get you more information on that. Uh, hope you guys had a great spring break. A couple of thousand of y'all were gone on it last weekend. And so we hope you enjoyed that. We're glad that you're back and uh, glad for what God's doing. By the way, hey, Morgan County, God behind bars, as you got, look around that gym, you see those empty chairs, our newest campus, it is your job, called by God, to fill that gymnasium up with other men. So we're praying for revival. We're praying for God to use you guys in a major way. Is that right? Faith promise. So you guys get after it. You guys get after it. We love y'all. Hey, did, did y'all enjoy Coach last weekend? And he not, man, what a great man of God. Great spiritual leadership. It, we're in March Madness, and it wouldn't be a championship game without a halftime talk from the coach. And so that's what we got last weekend. And I really believe this series, March Madness, and this weekend as we wrap it up, is going to pay dividends for decades in you and your family forever. We launched it by talking about how to cash in on contentment. And then we talked about how to develop a buzzer beater budget to put yourself the ability to beat your financial foes. Last weekend, Coach began the principle. It's all the way through the Word of God about putting God first. And this weekend, we want to talk about learning to pass the ball. Amen? Come on. Now, matter of fact, Jeremy, would you come up just a second? Just come up and just stand right here. I need you. Come on up. I need you for just a second. Now, I don't play basketball. I just look like a fit, trim athlete. Uh, <laughs> Really, I know how to dress well, but to cover it all up. But, but the deal is this. I don't play basketball, but if I do or if you watch basketball, it's really funny how the basketball affects people, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. See, when you're on the basketball court, everybody wants the ball, don't they? And when you have the ball, you're the focus of everybody watching on television, everybody in the arena. Now, what, if you have the basketball, what does the other team want to do? They want to steal it. They want to take it. They want to pack. They want to get the ball. And everybody on your team is calling for you to do what? Pass the ball, man. Pass it. And we know that passing the ball helps us win the ball game. As a matter of fact, if you've got five ball hogs, you're never going to win a ball game. But once you get the ball, there's an overwhelming desire 
to have the ball, to keep the ball, to shoot the ball, to do anything but do what? Pass the ball. Now, did you see what just happened? Your focus changed to who? To him. Why? He's got the ball. That's exactly right. Our eyes naturally follow the ball. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Give him a hand. Come on, talented. Talented. And see, the, and see, the, the deal is the ball is actually back where it should be in my hands. And, uh, but if I wasn't a pastor, I'd never get the ball. Now, the basketball is like money. We want it. And when we get it, we want to keep it. And we want to control it. We usually don't want to share it or give it away. The basketball creates sticky fingers. Does that make sense? Again, we want more. We want to control it. We want to have it. I love what Martin Luther said. He said that God invited our hands into fingers so money would slip through. Because, again, money makes us all greedy. It makes us want more. It makes us all of that kind of stuff. But God never gave us money to hoard. He never gave us money so that we'd be a big shot or so that we'd take the big shot. God gave us money to provide for our families and to develop the glory of God. So what we at Faith Promise, do, or do we still believe the Bible? Then what we've got to do is we've got to develop hearts of generosity and obedience. Is this the will of God for us? Or is this the will of God for us? So what we need to do is we need to quit refinancing our debt and start redefining our desires. Does that make sense? It's time that we cash in on contentment that having more money is never going to make you happier. It's never going to make you contented. Actually, having more money is okay, but if you're not careful, having more money just makes you focus more on money. People try to get it, and when they get it, they try to keep it, right? Then they get to worry about the stock market. What's going to happen with the global economy? What's going to happen if the Republicans get the White House? What if the Democrats get the White House? What if, what if, what if? And money becomes our sole focus. Does that make sense? It's what we're interested in. But really, what we need to do, the only interest rate we need to adjust is our interest rate for the heart of God and the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Matter of fact, our money's not going to last. Only the kingdom of God is going to last. So we need to adjust our interest and put it on the things of God. And realizing that every financial decision we make, that our financial decisions reflect heart decisions. How you spend your money reflects how you think, what your heart is. Jesus said, where your heart will be, that your treasure will be also. So let's look at what Jesus said about money. Is Jesus right in whatever he spoke? Or do we, are we Christ followers? Then are we to be obedient Christ followers? Is that the will of God? Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of what? If you've not been faithful in the use of money, he so devalues money. He so what he's saying is that the unrighteous wealth, he said, it's that man, it's just money. But he said, listen, if you've not even been faithful in the use of money, I mean, come on, money. If you've not been faithful in the use of money, who can entrust you with what? True riches. See, Jesus said there's so many things more important than money. Now, we got to have money to live. I got that. But he said, there are true riches. Man, there are true riches. The anointing of God. I'd rather have miracles than money. I'd rather see people saved than store up cash. I'd rather see God moving and us add and reach people that are going to hell than have more money. Does that make sense? 
man, I'd rather have the power of God and the fire of God and the presence of God than I would piles of money. Jesus said, who's going to trust you with things that matter if you can't take care of things that don't? Does that make sense? I mean, this is Jesus who did not have a home and said, listen, the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He goes on to say, and if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another. Now, if you're born again, how much of your money belongs to God? All of it. If you're, if you're born again, does that mean everything that you have, God owns? So if you are not generous, if you are not being a biblical giver, would that mean that you have not been faithful in the use of money? See, you notice how that yes gets louder and louder? As you see where the end of this conversation goes, you begin to back away from it. Come on, y'all feel that? Let's be real. It's raw and real here, faith promise. And so if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another, your money which God owns, who will give you that which is your own? How can I give you more if you're not faithful with what you have? No servant can serve two masters. For he will hate one, love the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The more you focus, the more you design, the more you drill in like money, 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 money. The more you focus on that, the more you have lost your focus on the master. Is that right? Come on, let's be real. I know we got to have money. I got that. I understand that. It, beans and taters cost money. I know. No one can serve too money. Now, the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things, and what were they doing? So don't you listen. If you begin to fight in your spirit as I preach this message, the living word of God to you, and you are fighting me in your mind, then you have lined up with the Pharisees, which are lovers of money. You're in trouble already. Does that make sense? I love you. Oh, he just wants my money. It's like, come on. I want you to honor God and be faithful, and I want God to be able to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. That's what I want. So let's grow up. Let's put our big boy pants on. Amen. Come on, and let's do it. They were scoffing at him because they didn't like what Jesus said about money. And he said to him, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your heart. Come on. That which is highly esteemed among men, the lifestyle of the rich and famous, how many, how, how many feet? Is that, is that rich guy's yacht? How many square? I mean, we, we want to learn. We want to know how many times can a Kardashian get married. We don't know how much money Donald Trump really has and what did he pay in taxes. We are enamored. We are, listen, we, that which is highly esteemed among men has grabbed the attention and affection of Americans, but it is detestable in the sight of God. God says, listen, man, you guys are majoring on the minors and you're missing the things that matter most. Now, do we all have assets? Then let me tell you about your assets. Your assets are made to be assists. God blesses you to be a blessing to others. God blesses you so that you will have what you need. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their descendants begging bread. But your assets, what God gives you, are to be there to be used to fund the kingdom of God to make a difference. Does that make sense? 
But, but what so many of us don't want to do is we don't want to pass the ball. We don't want to make assists in basketball when they're keeping stats. We talked about rebounds the last time I was here. What they get, it is assists. And so the, you're charging down the court. You pass the ball. Your, your teammate scores. You just got an assist. And God gives you finances to help assist in others. Does that make sense? Jesus talking about, about a guy in the scriptures that did not pass the ball in Matthew chapter 10. He was setting out on a journey. And a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? How do I get to heaven? What do I need to do? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? For there is no one good except God alone. You know the commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't put faultness, uh, false witness, don't defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, whoa, hallelujah, I've kept all these things from my youth up. Praise God. And Jesus, looking at him, felt what? Love for him. Jesus loved this rich young ruler. Man, he has moved his heart. And he said, one thing that you lack, go and sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor. Why? Because his focus was his mansion, his rental property, his investments, all his slaves, all his crops, his, his, all the chariots he had in his garage, all the stalls of stage to pull his chariots, all his clothes, all, all the stuff he had. It was, it was blocking his view of God. And so Jesus said, get rid of all your stuff and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me because you can't follow me and your money at the same time. But at these words, he was saddened and went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. Can I tell you what this rich young ruler said? I'm not passing the ball. Did he win the game? Did he win the championship? No, he lost eternity because his focus was finances, and it was not the father. He chose to lose it all because he would not pass the ball. And again, that ball makes us have sticky fingers, doesn't it? So my question is this, how can God give you more if you're not being faithful with what you have? How can I trust you with true right, true riches if you cannot be faithful with unrighteous money, he said in the Gospel of Luke. Now last weekend, Coach Mullins, again, my, spirit, my stepdad, I call him now, Coach Mullins preached a message on the, the principle of the first, and that is God comes first in your crops and in your flocks and in your stocks and in everything that you have, God comes what place? It also comes first place in your money. He said, bring you the tithe into the storehouse so that my barns will be filled and there will be plenty. God said, bring the tithe to the house of God. Would y'all agree with that? Somebody agree with that? And yet the bottom line is this, 82% of people that give at Faith Promise do not tithe. Eight out of 10 do not tithe. Should that bother us? Do you think that bothers God? I do too. I think it bothers God. I think it's one of the greatest hindrances to revival breaking out with us. You say, what's revival, Pastor Rod? And I've never seen it. It's the manifest presence of God in a people. And I want revival. I don't want church as usual. Man, I want the anointing to come so thick and so strong. We'll have church under the chairs that every campus will be packed, every service that folks get here early because they want to experience God, that our family and our friends come and they're born again, that people are healed, they're delivered, that God would move. 
I found out this last week while I was in Israel that my father has cancer and he's not doing very well. And I don't think my father's a believer. And oh to God, there was a spirit-filled church having revival somewhere near him in Texas. Are y'all with me? See, when you say, hey, I'd rather have money than revival, we can sign people to hell. We say, God, we don't want to be. Do you know what we say to God? Come on, church. You cannot serve two masters. And so Jesus in Matthew 23, 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You're hypocrites, for you tied mint and dill and cumin. Listen, they tied everything. Not only did they tie their, their check and all they had, but they the little garden herbs that grew in their window, they would put it and chop it up, and they would cut out God 10%. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. you got a bad pastor. I know what you're thinking right now. <laughs> Cutting that up. Why, how do you know? Because that's what I was thinking. And so, man, these guys, these guys were tithers, but realize, hey, listen, tithers is, being a tither is the basement. It's not the ceiling. Are you with me? Some of the meanest people I know are tithers. These guys killed Jesus. They were tithers. It's the bottom. Listen, it's the... It, money helps mark our spirituality. It just does because it's so important. It just it shows us where we put God. He said, you tithe everything, but you've neglected the weightier provisions of the law. He said, man, hey, listen, justice and mercy and faithfulness. He said, listen, these things are way more important. Now, one of the things that I'm reminded of every time I go to Israel is this, that the Bible is a book written by Jews to Jews and for Jews. The Bible, all but a couple authors were Jews. They were writing to Jews who assumed you had a body of information, a body of experience that you were Middle Eastern, that you knew the Old Testament, that you understood a certain amount of things. And so Jesus is saying, hey, these things you should have done, everybody knows you're supposed to tithe. Jesus said, this is not, this is not something special revelation. Everybody that I'm talking to knows you're supposed to tithe. He said, this is kinderspiel. This is basic but listen, you should have done that without neglecting the things that were even more important, justice and mercy. Are y'all with me? Does this make sense? Let's, let's get in the mindset of the master. Because can I tell you what so many people want in the church in America today? I call it fire insurance. Well, there's only two places to go, heaven or hell, and I certainly don't want to go where? Hell, so I want to go to heaven. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to get my name in the book, but I'm going to live my life exactly like I want to, when I want to. Nobody's going to tell me how to live or what to give or what to do. And if that's you, then Jesus is not your Lord. You are. Come on. We call that a golf clap. Because a lot of y'all didn't like that. And I really could not. Oh, care less. Because <laughs> Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I said? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I know well to tithe. I know we're supposed to do that, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm saved, Chris. I'm going to heaven, but I'll live my life just the heck like I want to, and you better keep your big, long nose out of my business. Let's be, come on. I know what you, it's written on your faces. So let me tell you, we, we've all agreed so far about what ought to be done. But of all the promisers that have joined the generosity journey, the people that don't give, we don't even know who they are. But they're here every weekend. And we're thrilled that you're here. Some of you are not believers yet. I got that. This message is really for believers. But let me show you where we are as a church. 
We have four levels of giver. Beginner, which means you give one to six times in a year, and you're you're just every now and then sporadically giving, 43%. That's almost half the people that attend here. Does that honor God? Is that putting God first? You say, well, how how do you know all that? Let me tell you what we do. I'm so glad you asked. We take every campus, we draw a five-mile circle around it, and we go and we ascertain from the public records what is the average household income around each campus. We do not look at at the Pellissippi campus like we look at the Campbell County campus because the average household income in Campbell County is $22,000. The average household income at the Pellissippi campus is $62,000. So we take whatever campus you're at, at the level that you give, and we, we just look at it. Do you give 10%? We say, but I, okay, I go to Pelson, but I don't make that much money. I got it. Do you think there's people that make more? So, we're, so we got it, we've got an error on both ends. So these are relatively close. And we do this partly to ascertain the spiritual health of our congregation. 43% almost half are beginners. They just sporadically give God a little, a little if, if they got enough. Learners, which means you're giving more than five or six times a year but not at the level of a tithing. You've just put God in your budget. Because everything that's important, you budget, right? Do you budget your house payment or do you pay it if you have extra? (laughs) What about your car note? Every fourth month, hey, honey, we got extra money. Let's pay the car note this month. No, because they will come and take it back. Or they will move you out of your house and sell it to someone else, a learner. Which means that you're, you're, you're now saying, Cal, I to generosity journey. I'm going to put God in my budget. Core, which means you give 10%, 7. 7% of our congregation. 11% are what we call lavish. That means you give over 10%. 18% of our congregation gives a tithe or more. 82% says, no thanks, God. I know what your Bible says, but I'm not doing it. I'm just simply not doing it. And we began this series by how do you change the bad momentum financially? How do you call a timeout? Well, I'm going to tell you how you change it. You changing masters changes your momentum. And that means putting money under your feet and putting Jesus over your head. That means making Jesus Lord of your finances and biblically honoring God in generosity. Is that right? Excuse me, is that right? Say, but are you telling me, Pastor, if I commit to tithing and I start tithing this week, all my financial foes will be eliminated? No. Did you get here overnight? It took you a while to get this deep in debt, didn't it? It took you a while to make this many credit card purchases. It took you a while of circumstances to getting where you are. But I will tell you this. If you begin to tithe and you put God first, the process precedes the product. You put God first in your life and everything else will begin to line up. Y'all believe that? That means you get God on your side financially and God can begin to really bless you and get you out of debt and out of trouble. It's just, it's putting first things first. It's, it's, it's what we do. It's, it's what God desires of us. Does this make sense? But if you do not put God first, then nothing in your life lines up because God, and you say, why am I, how come my life is so screwed up? How come everything is so easy for you, pastor? And how come nothing seems, I got this marriage issue and my kids and I got all this means God is most likely not first. Does that make sense? Listen, my design is not to get more money. My design is to get you holy. It gets you obedient to the word of God so God can bless you to a level that you had no idea was possible. Come on. So what does that require? Got to pass the ball. 
Amen? Pass the ball. Now, you got a card in your seat. Grab that card if you would. Grab that card. It's got some brackets on it. It says March Madness on one side, brackets on the other. I want you to look at the, the four teams that are playing, beginner, learner, core, and lavish. And I want you to write in the box at, what, at where you want to be, what you're going to do. And then tear these off and keep this. Put it in your Bible to remind you. Fill this out, name, email, phone number. We're not checking up. We don't do church police. We're not the Holy Ghost. He can do his job. Are you with me? But, and then I'm stepping up. I'm going to be, I've never given. I'm going to, I'm going to be a beginner. I'm going to learn about generosity. Or I'm going to, I'm going to be a learner. I'm going to put God in my budget. Or I'm going to give it 10%. Or I'm going to be lavish. I, I want to move up. And then I'd like to attend a biblical class on how to manage money. Sunday, Wednesdays, or in the future. And just check that box because I want to know. We're going to call you when we launch these classes out in the early fall, and then, hey, I've never tithed, but I'm going to take the 90-day tithing challenge. I'm going to tithe for 90 days, and if you're not glad you tithe, we'll get all your money back. Tear this part off, put in the offering box when you leave, amen, and keep the other part. Can we trust God? Can we trust God? Now, I have Pastor Josh come out and help us with part of this message because this is going to make it very easy because so many of us, it's amazing, we decide every weekend, well, are we going to church? And then we decide, well, are we going to give? Let me help you do what Michelle and I do, what Josh and Kim do. Share, show how we can do it. So we believe that you guys want to automate what's important. And giving online is the easiest and most convenient way that you can support uh, the work of God at each of our campuses. And it all starts, the magic is right here. If you go to faithpromise.org forward slash give, you can do it from your smartphone as well. And uh, down besides the just the really good-looking senior pastor there. I mean, don't you guys agree with that? But besides that, uh, there's a, a button down here that says Give Online. And if you click on that, it brings up a screen that looks like this. And really, you have to do one of two things. If you've never logged in before, you either sign up, or if you've logged in before, you sign in. And so you're going to click uh, here to sign in. And then it's going to bring up a screen that looks something like this. And you'll see where it says you can schedule giving. If you click on that, uh, it opens up uh, this place where you schedule giving, and it says, hey, where do you want to give? So you tell it, Pellissippi Campus, that's our home campus. Uh, I want to give to the general fund. You put an amount, you click continue, and then it says, how often do you want to give that amount? And so you think about your income, you multiply it by 0.1, that would be a tithe, and then you say, hey, I get paid monthly, or I get paid twice a month, or weekly, or every two weeks, however it works out for you, you tell it when to start, so you could say, hey, start this week, so for instance, we get paid on Wednesday, I could say, hey, start Wednesday, and then you click continue, and it'll ask you, do you want to give by check, so you can have it draft your bank account, or you can give by debit or credit card, and it's all secure. It's just like ordering from Amazon. It's no different than that, uh, where you go in and your information is stored there. You click continue, and it uh, lists all the information. Hey, I want to give twice a month, beginning April the 1st, and it tells you the amount, and then it says, hey, click this button that uh, tells us that you understand that we're going to pull this amount out of your bank account or from your debit card each, uh, each time that you've indicated. You click process the schedule, and then every time you log in, voila, there it is. If you go to schedule, it says, hey, you've committed to give this way, and it's just that simple. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Josh. That's how we do it. That's how Michelle and I do it. 
It's what we do. Now, what I always, every time I do a message like this, people think, what do you do? Well, Michelle and I give about average of 21% of our gross income to the Lord through Faith Promise Church. This year, our goal is to give 25% because we want to give heart for the harvest. But every week, we give 21%. That's just what's what we do. And you say, why? Since if you're only out to tithe, then why do you give 21%? Because we live to give. You make a living by what you make. You make a life by what you give. And so we, so we give. That's what we do. Now, there's basically two things that are holding you back if you are not at the level of core lavish. And let me just bottom line those for you. Number one is fear. Is that right? Come on. I'm afraid, Pastor, that if I give 10%, I won't have enough money to live on. I already run out of money before I run out of month every month. And if I give 10%, we simply don't know what we will do. I don't think we can make it. And what that's called is fear. And you attack fear with faith. Amen? I'm just telling you, do it. Just do it. Just, just do it. Pass the ball. I'm afraid. Do, do you know how many things I do as your pastor I'm afraid of? I mean, it's ridiculous. Holding a basketball while I'm preaching. Man, I, man, I, I struggle. There's so much stuff we do. We're going we're to launch at least three campuses this year. I'm looking at all it's going to take. Man, I'm going to step up anyways. That makes sense? If you're going to follow God, you're always going to have to increase your faith, and you're going to have to do things that are uncomfortable. So face your fear with faith. Amen? Number two, the second part is this. I don't want to do it. By grabbies, keep your long pointed nose out of my money. I don't want to give. See, that you're not afraid, you're greedy. Amen. Come on, you're selfish. Just be real. Do we have some selfish people this weekend? Come on, do not make me come to your house. Sure, we do. We have people that got the ball and don't want to pass it. So, how do you defeat greed with generosity? You just begin to give. You'll learn to give, you'll learn to love to give. And you'll, you'll find yourself looking for ways to give. You'll say, I can't believe I enjoyed this when this was such a battle because God is going to grow you. Malachi chapter 3, God said, test me in this. Tithe and see if I would open up the windows of heaven and pour a blessing such that you cannot contain it. Is God good to his word? Listen, if you believe that God is going to come six feet underground in a in a a concrete box and you inside a casket and get you out and take you to heaven forever, but he can't help you with 10% of your income? Are you stinking kidding me? Now, I'm not saying if you tithe, you'll have a Mercedes in your driveway tomorrow. But I'm going to tell you what, the rich young ruler missed it and lost the game because he wouldn't pass the ball. So what do we do? We become generous. We, we overcome greed with generosity. We overcome Fear with faith. Does that make sense? Let's put God first. See what God will do. He said, but pastor, the Bible says you ought to tithe. Why should I give more than that? Why? Why to Michelle and I? Because we want to fund the vision of making it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee. We want to win people. We want to see this next generation moving for God. We want to help this next generation not step up as deeply into stupid as some of us stepped. Amen. Now, some of you can't put God first because he's not any place in your life because you don't have a relationship with him. You've never been born again. You picked a great opportunity to come. You say, people can't be saved after a message on money. I beg to differ. It happens every year. So some of you now realize that money's your master. You realize that Jesus is not Lord and he's ready for business. 
So if you're ready to have all your sin forgiven and start over and have your slate clean, then right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, pray this prayer with us to God. Say, dear God, I know I've sinned, and I'm far from you. Forgive me. Come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my master. I will live for you. I will honor you. I will follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, come on, has it been good to be in the house of God this weekend? So, listen, these go in, these go in the offering box. Pick up a stack of this wild love for Easter. Listen, do me a favor. Begin praying now for Easter. It begins in, it begins in like two and a half weeks at Pellissippi because it starts on a Wednesday before Easter. Hey, do me a favor. I think every, last year we had, I don't know, seven, I forgot, a lot of people. <laughs> and I think for a large percentage, we brought the wrong people. I think we brought people because our Easter was cooler than their church. And God could give a rip less moving checkers on the checkerboard. What God cares about are people that are out of the kingdom getting into the kingdom. So I challenge you, who are you going to bring this far from God? Every one of us brings one person. We're going to bring 8,000 lost people for Easter. Come on. That's what we'll do. Don't say no for people. You say, my friends are heathen. You were a heathen. And some of y'all, big honking heathens. I was. Man, let's bring them, and let's believe the simple gospel to save them just like it saved us. Amen. We love you guys. Be blessed. See you next weekend.